Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Babe. I'm your host, Lara Marie Shane Halls, and I'm here today with a fellow babe, <laughs> writer, director, Brittany Poulton. Did I say that right? Yes. No, Britt you did. Poulton. Britt Poulton. Poulton. Um, some people throw an S in the Poulton, which I've always thought Poultons? was pretty wild. No, Poulson. No. They drop the T and they add an S, and that's been the troll of my life is being called Britt Poulson. Why would anyone in their right mind do that? <laughs> it's a great question, and it's still ha- I don't I truly don't know. I think because Poulson is a more, I guess, common last name than Poulton. I guess. I, tr- I truly. I just think of Sarah Paulson. Right. But that's right. N- not Paul. Hey, you know, I would like Britt Paulson. Yeah, yeah I'd Britt take Paulson that for sure. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's the Laura, your version of oh, like a Laura. Right, Lara right, troll. right. Yeah. Laura. Is like. There's no you. You're insane <laughs> if you say that. I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll take Mara over Laura. Mara. Which that's I get the- a lot. That's the lead character in my movie, Mara. Oh, it's such an unusual name. I'm surprised you even know. I've never met a Mara. I don't. Besides I've the met one some I made Moras, up. but Mora. not yes. Mara's. Mara is a beautiful name. It's a biblical name. Um, what does it mean? That's a great question. I probably knew way back when, when I you wrote, wrote the script. Yeah. Because name and like the history of a name and all of that is always really important to me when I'm naming my characters. It's one of my favorite parts. It's mm-hmm. like the first, I guess, big step in creating their identity is naming them yeah um i love name I, research i love it i love it um and so we settled on marek she's like from a religious community um but it wasn't your typical it wasn't sarah or rebecca or these typical biblical names but i can't remember what it means i'm gonna have to find out yeah it's weird to think that like sarah and rebecca are biblical names because they sound very modern yeah well everyone names sarah (laughs) everyone named sarah is (laughs) like from the bible right exactly um wait okay let's talk about your movie because we're just like organically speaking on it okay so Britt co-wrote and co-directed a movie called Them That Follow that's out in two weeks Yes, on August 2nd. Yes, it is out in LA and New York on August 2nd. And then we will um, spread across the nation and come to a theater near you on August 8th. And so we'll be in all major cities um, thereafter. And yeah, it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah, so... (laughs) You've probably, if you've been to the movies recently, and especially what trailer it played before a bunch of movies yes, that I've seen recently. We your got trailer played did. before Midsummer, which oh, yeah, I was that delighted. Was really chic. Um, I think it's definitely a similar audience. The movies couldn't be more different, but I think um, people that liked Midsummer will enjoy our film. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. It's adjacent in its, its own adjacent. way. It's about it's, like creepy white people. It's about <laughs> it's it's about problematic white people. No, um, I think that it explores some of um the same themes in terms of uh what what it means to uh I guess grow up and exist in a secluded community of a community that's apart from mainstream society um and how religion and the shape 
and how religion shapes our identity and all of these things and and um, navigating that that's where the similarities would really stop i would say um uh midsummer i would love to talk about that <laughs> that's a doozy um our film is actually um a pretty sincere exploration of um appalachian uh pentecostal snake handlers um for those of your readers who don't know about snake handling it is a centuries old religious practice uh born in appalachia it's it came out of the great revival and the holiness and pentecostal movement in the early 20th century uh, it really was an escalation of pentecostalism which for people that don't know and i certainly didn't i grew up mormon um uh, the way Pentecostal people practice their worship is very ecstatic. It's very um, out loud. Uh, they, Speaking in tongues. And yeah, they speak in tongues. Falling on the floor. They, faith healing. They're it's like very, high drama yeah, it's, worship. It's exuberant. Yeah. And it is high drama. <laughs> Nothing is interior. They like excise the demons with each other out loud. Yeah. Um, the highs are highs yeah. and the lows are lows. Yes. Yeah, it's extremely yes. like bipolar. Yeah, worship. no, it is. I mean, there are so many jokes I could people could make, but it really is um, a incredible experience to go to one of those churches and be with them as they connect with the divine. And for someone that doesn't believe in God, like myself, that was I really uh, a sort of pivotal moment when we were doing research was and humbling where I was just like, wow, like, who am I to say that God doesn't exist? Like, I just watched somebody speak to God, mm -hmm. their God, and it exists to them. And it was really, it's really special. They're, the way they practice their faith is really special. And, and I have so much respect for them. Yeah. Snake, and the energy yeah. in mm -hmm. the room, yeah. I'm sure is like, you feel it. Yes. It's not like they're just making it up no. and like pretending. No, it it's completely sincere. It's real to them. Um and it's it's infectious. Like you want to get up and move your body as well. Yeah. And um and powerful. I really understood why people would go there every week. It, it the catharsis that you would get um by doing that period and by doing it with your community. Um it's really something to behold. Yeah. Um and snake handling is an escalation of that. So um I could go into the Just like taking of snake it to the next it's taking know. all of the Pentecostal <laughs> yeah. worship to the next level. Yeah. Yeah, so it's um and bringing a snake into the mix. Bringing a snake into the mix, so they they yeah. Are give me some history. Yeah, okay, some history. I, yeah, because now okay. I'm like okay. Who so, was who was like you know what? It's not enough that yeah. we're speaking in tongues. We're falling on the floor. We're faith healing. Yes, and it was like actually, creating a buzz in the yes, room. Yes. I think what we really need <laughs> to really up the stakes are some snakes, and then other yes. people were like. Yes, you're his so right. His name was George Hensley. Okay. <laughs> so he's actually actually a person. Um, but he was a preacher and a former bootlegger and this sort of um interesting character. But he took a passage from the book of Mark uh that speaks about um taking up serpents mm -hmm. and drinking deadly things, meaning poison, and how for believers that that can't hurt you. And so he used that as uh, his rationale for taking up snakes. And 
he argued that the word serpent in the Bible refers only to venomous snakes. And so um, he started handling rattlesnakes in his church service. And during the time in the United States, and especially in Appalachia, this sort of uh, evangelizing and this exuberant faith practice was just catching on like wildfire. So him taking snakes into it just like <laughs> up to the ante. Yeah. And so that's it, really going to yeah, make a splash. It attracted believers. <laughs> it attracted skeptics and I'm, um, and it, and snake healing churches started popping up all over Appalachia and it wasn't until the fifties, uh, that they had to really go underground because, all the pastors were dying and I think the New York Times reported in the 50s that it was almost like 35 people had been reported um, to have died by snake bite and that's just what they've recorded. Yeah. Um, so they presume many more than that and so all the states in Appalachia with the exception of West Virginia outlawed and banned this practice which i love west virginia you gotta give it to them yeah they love just like a real snake moment like that yeah it's true um (laughs) they're like meth snakes (laughs) moonshine (laughs) trailer parks racism we got it all yeah an old wv west virginia yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah, so they, then they went into hiding and where they've largely remained since with a few exceptions of young pastors, like doing reality shows and having Facebook pages and, Mm -hmm. and, and things like that. But, um, the church I consulted with, uh, they've, they were founded in 1916 and they're still very, very, uh, reclusive and, um, didn't want like anyone from our production going um they were very generous and thoughtful in answering questions um and you know i'm i'm curious to see what they'll think of the film um but they said they wouldn't sanction the film until they saw it which is they haven't seen it yet no no i'm curious too i know because you know what it's a work of fiction and even though we're not um depicting any of them with bias um and that was really important to me um you know, it's it's a work of fiction. And so some of the characters, they're all different shades of, you know, good and bad. But um, I hope that they <laughs> I, I hope that they are not offended. Um, I would be so sad. <laughs> um, the good news is that they're like so recl- like the yeah. chances of them coming after right? you are like very <laughs> slim. <laughs> 
in time. Oh, but they don't use the antivenom. Oh, um, they so just like part of, ride it out. Part of uh, Pentecostalism and um, certainly snake handling um, communities, uh, they frown on Western medicine. They believe in faith healing. That's healing um, only by your faith in God. So okay. not going to the hospital. Some still do, uh, but most pastors opt to um, stay at home and wait it out yeah and pray and the community which you'll which you'll see in my film holds um vigil basically yeah they the the person who's bit uh goes through you know a dark night of the soul uh trying to maintain their faith while the venom takes hold and they either live or they don't so he lived through multiple snake bites Mm -hmm. Yeah. So does he then would his community believe like his faith just wasn't strong enough at like 72 or how do they justify how do they justify like the final mm-hmm. act? That's a good question. They're just like it was his time. Uh, yeah. R.I.P. God called him home. <laughs> um, praise. Um, yeah. No, it's a really good question. I've never read um, anywhere where they they revere their pastors so much. So I would be surprised if they were like, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they're just like, <laughs> yeah, like so. they wouldn't doubt his faith. No, I don't think so. But they're just like, Oh, we got old. Um, and the old ticker. I think couldn't that they probably it. just think that it was his time. Yeah. You know, I love how like selective, mm-hmm. Certain yeah. religions are about certain, that kind of like thing. All of them, all of them, <laughs> for the most part. But like, where you're yeah. just like, it all applies until yeah. I hit like a wall that I can't really explain, yeah. and then yeah. it's just like shrug. Well, like, you figure it out. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Then it's not even an I don't know. It's just like Jesus yeah. provides or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Like he has a platitude. A plan. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so you grew up Mormon. I grew up Mormon, yes. In Utah? Yeah. Yes, mostly. Mostly yes. in Utah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. What was yeah. that experience like? Um, I was, feel like we've never yeah. super talked about it. We haven't it. talked about it. I feel yeah. like I know so much about your journey because I'm such a, a super fan. You're a babe head. I'm a ba- big babe <laughs> head. I don't think I've ever missed an episode. Um, um, yeah, so my family's from southern Idaho, um, where I was born. And a small, small Mormon town, predominantly Mormon. I don't think there's any other churches there. Um, And when I was young, my dad moved to southern Utah, to Winchester Hills. And that's where I moved with him. Um, And on my mom's side, they're all really fucking Mormon. Mm -hmm. I mean, all my uncles were bishops or are bishops. Um, Most of my cousins went on missions. Both my brothers went on missions. And... Um, yeah, so it was, and being in Utah, whether you're Mormon or not, it's a Mormon culture. And so it's just the world that you're living in is Mormon and everything's, everything comes from that. Like all the, it, like your cultural practices, everything is like Mormon. And so I think. How Mormon are we talking? Like um, super Mormon? Or are there shades of Mormonism? There are for sure shades, I'm sure. Um, and I think it depends on like your family. Um, and I, and I think all families have like different like quirks and things that they probably enforce or don't enforce. But like in Utah growing up, like, I, I like never saw an adult drink coffee before, 
you know, like, mm-hmm. so even, even if you're not super Mormon, it's such a taboo. I mean, let alone drinking wine or anything like that, but no drinking coffee, no drinking alcohol, like all of these things are like bad. Yeah. Trashy. Bad. No cigarettes. Oh, no, 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 no. It's only you put like good things into right, your body. Right. They have something. What about sugar? Are they like well, weird about sugar? So I have relatives that are very, um, like pious Mormons Mm -hmm. and they live without very many material things. And, uh, and there, there's a, a, a decent sized Mormon subculture that I think reflect how my cousins live. Um, but they, for example, won't touch white, like won't eat white flour. So everything's like whole grain, everything, they make their own bread. Everything's like no refined sugar. No Justa. (laughs) <laughs> it's like it's very very healthy and like things that are like show up in the bible yeah basically um but that's unusual um mainstream mormon culture um you know they probably eat what every other you know uh red state eats mm-hmm. um although they love uh, they have some like favorite restaurants that are like when i see them it's like you can, if you go inside like a Jimmy John's or <laughs> they love Jimmy John's. Mormons love Jimmy, love John's? Jimmy John's. Why do they love Jimmy I John's? I, I mean, those sandwiches are pretty good. Their tuna salad sandwich is like the best in the biz. Uh, I have no idea. And they love Cafe Rio. Do you guys have these out here? It's a. I feel like it's I like kn- a Mexican. It's like a made-to-order Mexican restaurant, like not a Tex-Mex a, made-to-order, or more like. No, it's like not as fresh as Chipotle. Um, it's but it's like Chipotle, um, but better. Um, and I don't know if that's the Mormon girl in me, but it's like those tortillas are amazing. <laughs> but if you go into like a, a cafe Rio, it's just like Mormon families lined up. Um, Mormons love a fast yeah, casual. They love a fast casual where they can bring all their kids and just line them up. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm like totally. What was your question? Um, oh, what was it like? Oh, it was hard. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It was hard. And I wasn't very Mormon. And my dad wasn't Mormon. Um, he was, is, you know, vague Christian. Um, he believes in the Bible. Um, but he was never too big on any institutionalized religion, but he did become a Baptist for a while. And so I went to Baptist, um, churches with him Mm -hmm. and saw a different side of Christianity. And I think my interest in Christianity and like the moment where I felt like acutely oppressed by it was when I turned eight. So in the Mormon religion, you You have to get baptized. And so the folks on my dad's side, specifically my aunt and her daughter uh did not want me to get baptized in the mormon church Mm -hmm. and so i'm like an eight-year-old child and i'm like mom like maybe i shouldn't get baptized and my mom's like you're getting baptized you know she's been mormon for like her family's mormon since mormonism existed like generations they came over with the pioneers okay wow um and so i didn't know what to do i felt like if i got baptized Mormon, then I would disappoint my dad's side of the family. And if I didn't, then I would disappoint my mom. And it was almost to my ninth birthday, which is really unheard of. When you turn eight, you get baptized. Mm -hmm. Um, That I finally relented and got baptized in the Mormon church. Um, My uncle baptized me. 
And then I went home because I lived with my dad. And your parents were divorced? Yeah. Oh, they, okay. sorry. They divorced when I was a baby. Oh, okay. Um, so I went home um, and my I told my cousin, cousin Brandy, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> if you're out there, <laughs> um, that I got baptized. And she forced me on my knees and made me beg God for forgiveness and made me ask Jesus into my heart. And it was the most terrifying upsetting shameful um experience of my young life baptists they don't like <laughs> much but they certainly don't like mormonism no, they hate mormons. they hate mormons. they hate mormons i remember being told from a very young age like yeah. being aware of mormonism and that it was bad well, they yeah no it's true um i had one friend in in utah and her family was lutheran and she was going to a lutheran camp just a summer camp that sounded awesome i had never done anything like that and she invited me and i asked my mom if i could go and she she was like, she was like, nope, they hate Mormons. And I was yeah. like, I'm just going to go like make friendship bracelets and sing songs in the woods. Yeah. I was like 10. And she was like, nope, can't be around Lutherans. They hate Mormons. Like Mormons are very aware that they're the like, I guess, ugly stepsister of Christianity. Christ- mainstream Christians do not like Mormons. Yeah. They get a bad rap. Really They bad. get like made fun of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. And I think like all the negative stereotypes are very reinforced and it yeah. is one of those religions where you can just like shit on it yeah. openly without any sort of like yeah. repercussions because no. everyone's in agreement. They're like Mormons are crazy. I know. But I think that People there's probably the sh- a lot yeah. of great Mormons out there. There are. TBD. Like I don't there know are. if I know any no. <laughs> aside from you. I'm not Mormon. But you're not even Mormon. No. So it's like. No. There are a lot of great Mormons out there. I always take issue with those sort of like negative stereotypes i'm so happy to have um like a pointed conversation about the like you know uh problematic cultural and spiritual um aspects of mormonism because they're so real and um and something that if i had a therapist i'd be working out yeah (laughs) you know well i can't imagine how confusing (laughs) that would be to not only be like when your parents are divorced and like not on the same page about right. anything, it's Nothing. like bad. Yeah, it's <laughs> that it's not like conscious uncoupling. No. Like, <laughs> and it creates a lot of confusion for a child. Yeah. And so to bounce back and forth between like these two extremist religious views yeah. is like, how are you supposed to even come out of that believing yeah. in God? Because you can't do anything right. Like right. you're going to hell one way or the other depending on who you ask so it's like no wonder you're kind of like i was just like it's a a hard pass (laughs) um they have a lot of commonalities of course Mm -hmm. you know like how gendered their communities and um their communities are and that was always something that was really hard for me because i have an older brother and he was raised differently than i was and he had more privileges and less responsibilities and that's something that they definitely hold in common and i think that that more than i think that if i i mean i was born with a sort of questioning personality a more explorative personality i guess you know i really think that i would have gone on a journey no matter what but if Mm -hmm. i had been born a boy 
maybe not as soon um, and maybe not as furiously because it was so hard to be um, subservient in so many ways and to just be less than. And that's something that they they both fuck with. <laughs> yeah, they do in various, in yeah. very different ways. Very different but ways. There's but such yeah. a similarity. Yeah, yeah. Did you grow up around people that had like multiple wives? No. So mainstream Mormons, I know that's another great question. That's another probably question you get a lot. I about. do. I do. Because people think like all Mormons are polygamous. Um, and the answer is no mainstream Mormons are polygamous because Mormons outlawed polygamy generations ago um and so you can't do it if you do it you get excommunicated um but when they changed the law basically um a lot of people that were like super down with polygamy um created their own like offshoot Mm -hmm. so they're uh the fundamentalists basically of mormonism okay and and they have different communities and each of those communities i think in large part has their own sort of like charismatic leader that sort of uh, defines their rules and their culture i don't think that they have like an overarching um like institution that sort of streamlines like their rules and their belief systems. Mm-hmm. Um, but so they're very separate from mainstream Got Mormons. It. However, I grew up seeing them everywhere. Mm-hmm. So it was very normal to go into Walmart and see a polygamous family. And, you know, mainstream Mormons are pretty cruel to them, which I always, I always marveled at them because they're so different. They wear traditional clothes the women you know they can't show their skin so they have like sort of prairie dresses on with pants underneath the prairie dresses mm-hmm. and very they, handmaid's tale yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes um and but, but also very like in fashion right I know, now i was like actually it's like i could see christy dawn doing a lot <laughs> yeah christy dawn definitely has like everything's moved towards more of like mormon yeah, dressage I think so. it's yeah true. um especially if you like live in california yeah. and go to like i mean look what i'm wearing now i know you are you're really doing like mormon chic this is the second kind of mormonish dress that i've seen yeah. of yours it's and like, i really appreciate it thank you these prairie dresses are like my moo-moos um but yeah so they look different and they do their hair differently and so you can spot a polygamist especially a polygamous woman from a mile away but they would come into stores and there would be like you know four of the wives and all of their kids and the older daughters um you would look at them and sometimes you wouldn't be sure if they were a young wife or an older daughter Mm -hmm. and that was always really chilling to me yeah because also in some of those like the young girls get married off Mm -hmm. pretty early yeah yep so mainstream mormons right. are like fuck you to these other mormons yeah exactly they don't even go to like the same place of worship no 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 yeah because no, no, they're no. in their own yeah. community yeah it's two separate worlds wow yeah and yeah. mormons are mostly white people for the most part or, yeah 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 i would say they're pretty white utah's pretty white um they've had missionaries go all over the world you know since i guess mormonism existed i'm not a super buff on mormon history so yeah. sorry any like 
<laughs> my Mormon <laughs> fan base is furious. Right I know. Now. I'm so sorry, guys. I like. I just stopped going to church when I was like ten, and so I have like the knowledge of a ten year old. You stopped in both churches. Uh, yes. Really? Yes. Oh, yeah. No. How I are have, you able to do that? You just um, put your foot down. Yeah. No. You know, it's you're a product of divorce and yeah. dysfunctional parents, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So but I still was like forced to go to church until I was like 15 or 16. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, my parents were they had a hard time. So I think they were too busy trying to survive and work and everything to parent mm-hmm. um, for better or worse. And one of the better things is it's like they didn't have the energy, I guess, to force me to go to church. Yeah. Um, so I was sort of left to my own devices, um, which I'm happy about in the long run. Yeah. But maybe maybe I would have enjoyed that. Maybe I would have liked that my parents cared about me so much that they thought I should go to church. I don't know. I was very like, I was like a latchkey kid. You know, I was very much on my own, mm-hmm. um, even at a young age. So that's a weird transition from going from being like baptized and then like forced to... Yeah like ask jesus for forgiveness so yeah. like a year later you're like i don't even have to fuck with it anymore yeah i mean it wasn't exactly a year i d- stopped going in middle school so the baptism thing was when i was eight but uh that was my aunt's daughter so that wasn't my parents who mm-hmm. did that to me um it was my dad's older sister who um my dad worked for her husband and so he moved this was in wyoming um sorry to explain all of the pl- i've lived like in every mountain west state um there is but my dad a cowgirl i'm <laughs> a cowgirl <laughs> truly um but my dad worked for my aunt's husband's construction business mm-hmm. and so uh we sort of had to follow their lead and they were very baptist and so we had to go to their church with them during that time um but my dad would have never neither one of my parents would have ever done what my cousin did yeah yeah brandy is her name a classic cousin brandy cousin brandy yeah is all about like yeah no my parents would have never done that yeah no they would have never done that i don't even know if they know about it i don't even know if i ever told them now you can start a lot of drama at family gatherings thanksgiving (laughs) christmas (laughs) <laughs> so wait, didn't did you have like a rebellious teenage? Yeah, we have similar stories actually. Um yeah, I was very rebellious. Um I had a very like scorched earth mentality in high school and I started doing drugs when I was like 14. Mm-hmm. I like I started doing coke before I had even drank alcohol hell yeah yeah <laughs> so rock and roll so um, rock and roll. it was easier to get yeah um um but yeah so i went through a very destructive phase um where i mean i was ang- i was definitely angry i was definitely raging against um you know my sort of like conservative um home with my mom and all of that but that's only part of it I think that I think that no matter what like religion or level of conservatism my mom embraced because she's she's always been a true blue Mormon Mm -hmm. um I think the reason I had such a hard time was because my family was so unstable and dysfunctional 
And so I think that I was just a teenager that wanted to, I don't think I was just angry at them. I was angry at my parents for not being parents. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, fuck you. Like, I don't need anybody. And, um, and so, yeah, so I went hard for, for my high school years. Yeah. I think when you're around that level of dysfunction, you're either, you either go inwards and become like overachiever right. and find I, a way to like get attention through right. that mm-hmm. or you rebel and you're mm-hmm. like you self parent yes. in the best way that you can, <laughs> yeah. which is a terrible way. And yeah. then you're just like, fuck you. I know exactly what I'm doing. Like I'm living my life and yeah. I'm just like yeah. going to get fucked up if I want to. Yeah. And I think a lot of it was too is um, certainly on my dad's side, there's this sort of like, like this sort of like Polton mythology of like how strong we are and you know and like I remember like falling down when I was a kid and being like oh you don't cry because you're a Polton you know and (laughs) and I think that um and of course that expectation is thrust upon my brother probably more than ever was on me but that's probably why I wanted to meet that expectation was because it wasn't I wasn't um, held to the same standard that like my brother was because he was like a man, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just like, I'm so tough. Like, and that was a big, um, it was like so, so stupid. Like looking back, teenagers, teenagers are so dumb, but I was so, so dumb. dumb, but I was like, I'm so hard. I'm so tough. Like I wanted to be like the cool, tough girl that could like, you know, drop acid before fourth period and be fucking fine. Mm-hmm. And like, I thought that was like, I was like proud of myself. Why is it so, <laughs> such an achievement it's to so get like dumb. really fucked up and then go to school? I know. I, I loved know. getting like I did, faded yeah. as fuck and yeah. then like going to class. Yeah, no, which exactly. Because it's just like a big fuck you. And yeah. then also it's attention f- seeking to your friends because they're like, whoa, like, she's wild yeah yeah (laughs) like she doesn't give a fuck and you're like i don't give a fuck yeah you're like no i'm ruining my life and making terrible decisions but like you come back to haunt me decades from now yeah but you feel powerful Mm -hmm. in a way that i think that i never did growing up and so i i think that that was a lot of it was me wanting to feel powerful um and so yeah so i i didn't graduate high school Really? No, I did Wait, not. Wait, you were dropping acid in high school and going to school? Mm-hmm. That is hard because I didn't ever go. I was never like a tripping and going to school. Lots of my friends were, but I was like, I don't know about that. It's pretty wild. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> did you have like full blown like hallucinations at school? No. Or, like, what were your acid trips at school like? No, I would just like, I was chill. I would drop like a gel tab before, mm-hmm. you know class or whatever yeah um i think the the worst like the most fucked up i'd ever been i just remember it was like a u.s history class it must have been and the teacher didn't want to teach and they played saving private ryan no (laughs) (laughs) and i remember because like all i wore was like like hoodies Mm -hmm. like and i remember just like put it like laying on my desk and putting the hoodie over my head and just being like it was so i was just like they're gonna find him right and i was just (laughs) it was so dark and i yeah i don't think that i dropped acid um after that i don't think 
but like i would do bumps between classes yeah um which is fine you can totally don't i don't know you don't have any 15 year old readers but you could totally function <laughs> yeah the thing about like any sort of amphetamine yeah, is that function. it's like actually probably makes it better to be like at yeah. school you're like absorbing more yeah like i did really well on a test the day that i like did meth before school i've never done meth i've never done meth. i've done it just like that that's I've done ha- it a hardcore. few times like mm-hmm. with intent to do <clears throat> meth and then I you think just I've like, done I, it a bunch by default just through oh. like it's in other drugs. And okay, so like if you're right. fucking with ecstasy at all oh, or like right. Molly, chances yeah. are you're also fucking with like a yeah. pretty hefty dose of meth. Oh, then maybe I have done meth. Yeah, but I think everyone I is like about the it. real life hack is that like yeah. everyone has pretty much done <laughs> meth. Life hack. So like don't get all on your high yeah. meth horse no, with meth, me over here. Meth and speed I never did. It always scared me. Yeah. Um, it's freaky yeah it's, it's not fun yeah and i i had a relative who went on a meth journey and i think that that was a good yeah a good deterrent for me mm-hmm. um but yeah i but i i came out of it when i was like in terms of doing drugs i quit doing drugs when i was 17 or 18 like other than like the occasional like molly at a party or whatever i had really I got it out of my system at a young age. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you were cognizant enough to be like, well, that's enough for me. Like, you know, I am, guess I'm lucky. I don't have an addictive personality. Mm-hmm. I'm really lucky. Um, but yeah, it all just got too dark. I, I ran with some like, um, you know, eventually ended up in some really scary situations. Um, that I'm really glad that I got out of. I'm really glad that um, they weren't like more horrific. Um, I can't imagine um, my daughters putting themselves in those situations. It literally, ugh, it keeps me up at night. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it all got a little too dark, and I was just like, "This is not for me." And um, and so I moved um, and started a new high school. And like completely cut off all of my old friends, and um, and that's the best way to do it, kids. Yeah. When you want to get clean, <laughs> you just have to like literally drop a bomb, fake your death, mm-hmm. get the fuck out of there, leave, <laughs> disappear yes. inexplicably. Yes. And then if you ever come back, people are really excited to see you. Yeah. And you get like a serotonin boost from everyone being like glad that you're back. Yeah. Well, it's really funny because some of my crazier girlfriends during that time, they like then find you on Facebook so many years later. And it's so trippy for them to like, you know, comment on something you post like or whatever. And And I'm like, girl, I used to like snort coke off your stomach. I was like, (laughs) and now you're commenting on like my baby pictures. (laughs) Like we truly live in a simulation. (laughs) Yeah. The way that you can like get in touch with people from the past is like, no one ever had to do that generations before us. It's It's like you had the privilege of being able to just like forget about everyone. Yeah. It's so weird. I guess good. It's nice to see some the ones that made it out. Like the one I'm talking about, Heather. Um, <laughs> she's like a nurse now and has two kids. And I'm like, I'm happy for it. Cause yeah. I gone the other way for mm-hmm. some of my friends that did. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people that go the other way. And even now it's like I look for people from boarding school or even high school people that i partied with. Yeah. And I feel like the biggest red flag is when they're not on any social media 
at yeah. all or yeah. like you can't find them anywhere yeah, yeah. and then you're like oh they're are probably they, yeah gone they i don't know what they're yeah. doing mm-hmm. but like it most likely isn't great yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. sad stuff did you get your gd or like yes how i did, did. You? okay um or my adult diploma mm-hmm. i think it's different than a gd um i went to continuation school my senior year which um I don't know if you have that in every state, but in California, my mom lived in California, so I moved back uh, to California. Um, continuation school is like a halfway point between like regular high school and juvie. Okay. Yeah. And so it when you go there, it's all the kids that have been either kicked out or dropped out of high school. Um, and it's like a real, it's like, it's what I imagine like if, if you are, go to jail or whatever, you're just like around all the people that will get you back into crime. It's yeah. like, it's a bad, it's a bad place to be if you're trying to move um, past like an old life. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I can't be here. Like it made me sad. Like I didn't want, I, I didn't want to see myself reflected in them, which um, is a shitty thing to say. But that's how I felt when I was just trying to, like, get my diploma and, like, get out of there and, like, move on with my life. I was like, it makes me too sad that these are my peers, that, like, all of these, like, you know, sad, angry kids doing drugs and and who who knows if they have a future and all these things that I was and, and at that time did not like in myself Um it was really hard for me every day to see myself reflected in them. So I quit that and I ended up just doing um, like an outside project where the principal of that school gave me an or created a program where I got an adult diploma, but I didn't have to actually go to the school. It darked me out. Yeah. Um, and that, per- that person was really nice. It was the school is called self S-E-L-F, uh, high school in Irvine, California. And uh, there were some really nice teachers there. And I they really did create a program for me to get that piece of paper. Because I was like, I can't come here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was too sad. Wow. You're so like self-actualized oh. <laughs> at a young age Maybe. to like know that about yourself. Right. And Maybe. be able to like cre- like speak to what you want. Right. And then yeah. get it. Oh, I guess so. I've never thought about it that way. I always thought of it as like, I don't know, that I just like couldn't suck it up. Classic <laughs> Poulton. Poulton fail. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> You're right. Classic Poulton. <laughs> uh, the shank. Poulton shank. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm like, I, you're like, I don't like this, but I need X, Y, Z. Yeah. Can you do this for me? And people are like, yes, we will. Yes, we will. Yeah. And they did. And so I got the piece of paper and then, um, I went through another dark period from 17 to 19, um, where I went off the rails again, not mm-hmm. with drugs, um, but with alcohol and just bad choices. And I didn't have like a home for a period. So I was just crashing with people and I lived from Orange County to Utah to Santa Barbara Um on many different couches and just didn't have a direction because I was like, I got my a 
diploma, but I mean, I couldn't go to college. Like I didn't even have like a GPA, Mm -hmm. you know, what do I do? And I, I like took odd jobs here and there and like everything sort of darked me out. Like I tried working at a restaurant and I was like, I'm not like, I don't want to be a wait. Like what is my life? Mm -hmm. And so I just ended up partying a lot and, and doing that whole thing over again. Um, you know, and meeting dangerous boys. Yeah. And it's such an easy (laughs) thing to go back to because you know, the drill yeah you know the drill of what it's like to just like get fucked up on drugs or like drink a a ton like you'll be hungover you'll eat like shit you'll feel xyz but at least you just know there's not and like it's within your control and so you, can, you think. Yeah. And you can create a little world for yourself with your friend group. Yeah. You know, where you find they're a, not holding you to any standards, mm-mm. you know? It's just like, let's get fucked up and have fun together. Yeah. And so the life becomes, you know, getting enough money to just like get by and go out. Mm-hmm. And there's no bigger questions of like, okay, what do you want your life to be? Who are you? And so it was like, you know, hiding in a dark hole. Um, but then, you know, I got into some big trouble and, um, (laughs) I guess I'll tell you, I don't care. Um, I, uh, got married in Vegas. Um, so that was fun. Just to like a rando? (laughs) No, he was my boyfriend at the time. (laughs) You eloped and got married in Vegas? I didn't know that. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Uh, so that was, yeah. So, you know, I was really. Britney Spears of you. (laughs) Britney Poulton Spears. Oh my god um it was it was just on like a total spontaneous road trip um we were driving past vegas we had gone snowboarding in southern utah where um my dad lived and we were driving back to california my boyfriend lived in santa barbara and one of my friends jennifer was <laughs> like oh my god wouldn't it be so funny if you guys got married yes <laughs> and it was like sure <laughs> But he was so serious and sincere. And that's why I feel bad laughing about it. Because he loved me so much as much as a, you know, bipolar, alcoholic, 22-year-old boy can love an 18-year-old girl. <laughs> that's did. a match made in Married in Vegas heaven. <laughs> he did. And so we we did it. I think I just wanted to see how it would feel. Yeah. as I think that's why I we get do that. a lot of things when we're that age. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I always wanted to like, and I think it still is like a fantasy of mine Mm -hmm. to meet someone that it's like the connection so intense, so fast that you're like, let's just get married and like, just do it and not think about it and just both be like in at that level of commitment. Yeah. And I think, I think that it was like, oh, okay, I want to see what this would feel like for, for some sad reasons, for some dumb reasons, but I think mostly because it's like at that age, you have this still romantic idea about like experience and adventure and like 
living your life. And I, th- I think part of me also did it for the like story, mm-hmm. you know, um, which is so dumb. Um, but you know, I think that's, I think I wanted to see what it would, how I would feel. How did you feel? Um, regretful i regretted i regretted it pretty immediately um and i began to feel a great sadness and a weight because he was very serious and i did not feel that way about him that he felt about me how long have you been dating we'd been dating like six months okay um and and that's what made it real Mm -hmm. was that he um was he was in whatever little like fucked up um you know (laughs) little like relationship we were in he was fully committed to it you know and he adored me and he was like score i just like yeah won the lottery yeah and that's and and you were like lol i just like got married in vegas (laughs) haha yeah it's like (laughs) it's terrible it's terrible um and so so yeah that's like what made it real and so that that made it made me sad and and regretful um but we still like kept dating i never um and i didn't tell my parents and i just sort of waited it out and we were married for almost a year (laughs) you didn't live together no no i was still just like living my like young dumb life and going out and like he was just my boyfriend in my mind but Mm -hmm. we were like married yeah and then um you know that whole lifestyle like I finally like hit bottom in that lifestyle and I was like okay I need to get out of this and I did the same thing and I moved so I moved back to Utah Mm -hmm. and like dumped all of my old friends and was like I gotta get out of here guys like this isn't who I am this isn't who I want to be um and um Jennifer who I brought up earlier (laughs) um your bridesmaid your maid of honor my maid of honor (laughs) She like was so mad at me for leaving. She was like my partner in crime and she fucking drove to Utah and ratted me out <laughs> and told my dad that I was married and like oh all these God. things I had been doing. Jennifer. And Jennifer. Yes. And so that's when like shit hit the fan. Um, and I'm fortunate enough that my mom, um, had a like, a friend that helped me get an annulment. Oh, that's nice. Um, so, you didn't have to get divorced. No. Not be like an no. 18 year old yeah, divorcee. Not a divorcee. <laughs> <laughs> but Even yeah. though that sounds really glamorous. <laughs> yeah. But, and then from there, I was like, I need to rebuild my life. And so I went to community college and got straight A's. And then I transferred to Berkeley on a scholarship and I graduated summa cum laude. So fuck yeah. <laughs> You've had a really like Tara Westover-esque oh, I love that book. journey. Yeah. I'm reading it right now. I mean, she her life is more impressive than mine. <laughs> like, oh, wow. I can already tell. I'm already like impressed by her writing style, yeah, which no. I'm just like, wow, you're a great yeah. writer. But I yeah. feel myself getting jealous of a lot of elements yeah. about her life and experience. Yeah. I think with her, it's the book Educated. I don't know oh, what yeah. readers have read it. Um, but she grew up in southern Idaho. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of her culture mirrors my own. And I see a lot of my family in hers. Um, but hers is more extreme. Her dad, um, they were really set apart. They had their own community. And even though her parents were Mormon, her dad had his own sort of... 
um, I guess, theological rationales. And he, they really had their own set of beliefs and they, they were restricted from like mainstream society in a way that Mormons aren't. And so she had a, she grew up in a very small world and for her to do what she's done, she was self-talk. She, they were all homeschooled and she went, um, uh, to BYU eventually did so well. Then she went to Oxford and Harvard, I think, and just kept going, um, for her to have done what she did given how small and how, um, um, how many lies constructed her world, Mm -hmm. um, because of her family and her father and the fact that she was able to like break out of that box, um, and build the life she's built is truly extraordinary. Yeah. Mine's so much messier. Mine's not as <laughs> heroic. Some people are just like, can get on an upward trajectory. Yeah. They like skyrocket off yeah. the face of the planet. Yeah. yeah. But I think the common experience is a, it does yeah. a lot more of like a jagged. Yeah. Yeah. Line graph. If yeah. You will. Yeah. It's a great book. Yeah. I'm in like the first like 50 pages. Yeah. Wait till she gets to um, her toxic older brother relationship and then you'll have some more insight into my childhood. (laughs) Can't wait. (laughs) I'm like, I keep talking about my brother. (laughs) A lot of unresolved stuff. (laughs) Are you guys close now? No, we don't speak. Uh, brothers really know how to like fuck with your life yeah no truly and siblings because is that your do you have two brothers i have yes i have two brothers my older brother he's a little over a year older than me and we have the same parents my younger brother brandon um he has a different dad so he's from my mom's second marriage okay and he's eight years younger than me so we've always had a different relationship i've always been like another mom to him yeah um and we've never been peers so we never had like you know, any sort of rivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a s- more simple relationship. I'm really proud of him. He just graduated from Wharton um, and he just got married last year and he has a baby on the way and he just adopted um, his wife's son. Um, oh, he's really doing it. He's doing it. Um, um, he's a good Mormon. So mm-hmm. he's really Mormon and they got married in the temple, but he's a, he's a good one. <laughs> Are you allowed to go in the temple? No. So I couldn't so see you him get married. Go no. To the wedding. Right. Okay. Cause what is the rule? You have to be Mormon to go in it's, the temple. No. So or not all be, like vetted or something. Yes. So not all Mormons can go in the temple. So there are churches and there are temples. Anyone can go in the church. Um, but temples are for, I guess, a certain standard of Mormons and you have to get a little card that's called, it's an actual card you can carry in your wallet called a temple recommend and i don't know if they still do it this way but they did when i was younger um you have to go and through a series of interviews with your bishop which is like a preacher or a priest Mm -hmm. and do interviews and pass the test like are you righteous enough to get this temple recommend and meaning are you paying your tithing are you how much chase? tithing do they want 10 percent. Ten percent. are you chase like are you like honest in your business dealings everyone lies about that um <laughs> like all of the sort of tenants of uh are, do you drink iced tea do you drink you know coffee like all these things they investigate you and then they approve you um and then you can go to the temple so um and you have to go to the temple 
to get married, I think, um, in order to get sealed. This is a real interesting part of Mormonism that is like so easy to crack apart is so you can get sealed to your spouse for eternity, meaning mm-hmm. when you die, your souls will be together no matter what if you get sealed. Okay. So you guys won't it's get witchcraft. Like, you won't get like lost in the afterlife. Like yeah. I won't be like, oh, where's Julius? I can't <laughs> see him with all these stars in my eyes. You know, like if Julius They're and just I, waiting yes, for you. Julius is my Whether husband. they like it or not because yes. you've been sealed. Yeah, if I've been sealed, it's like, oh, where's Julie? There he is. There Can he is. Can you unseal? Um, so this is where it all gets really hairy because like marriage and love and all these things are not a straight line. Mm-hmm. So when I was very young, I was a product of divorce. So I was another reason I didn't like Mormons. Um, I was always treated like an outsider in the Mormon church, like like the dirty kid in the back, right? Okay. Because like it's like a yeah. true, it's yeah. no divorce. It's different now than when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But like I wasn't able to play with other kids if because the, their families didn't like my brother and I because we were, my mom was single. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah. Yeah, so that that definitely <laughs> they didn't want to catch that divorce bug. <laughs> yeah, going exactly. But like, so I asked them once. Like, I remember very specifically asking my Sunday school teacher about ceilings. I was like, because you can get you get sealed as a family too, so you get sealed to your children when you have them. And I was like, oh, so like I can get sealed to my parents, and because they're divorced, guess what? The kids have to choose which parent they want to get sealed to because no. they can't have both. So as a child... All right, that's you, where it's like the whole yes, thing falls, falls apart. Falls apart, right? Yes. So were your parents sealed? Um, no, they oh. didn't get married in the temple. Oh, um, so, oh, so you only can get sealed if you're married in the temple. So it's a lot of rules. It's, it's a lot of rules. It's like a Soho and, house. And none of them. <laughs> membership. No, it's true. The like. No, it's more like this like San Vicente bungalow. Yes, San Vicente bungalows. No, it's true. That's all I can say. Yeah. Google it. It's re- my, my friend was talking about this. It's a workspace, right? It's like, it's like. Yeah, it is just a workspace, but it's also supposed to be like, it's like the chicest. Oh, really? (laughs) It's like the new chic members only kind of like club. But they're so intense about membership. Like they put a sticker on both of your phone cameras when you go in. You have to sign an agreement that says like you won't talk about it or like talk about anyone that you saw there or oh my like god and i went there for dinner with a friend mm-hmm. who's has a membership chic and it was chic <clears throat> yeah but it's they're also like like i feel like they will get their revenge yeah if they if i say anything wow like you, <laughs> you guys lock it up Laura. i know i'm just i'm scared lock now. It up. <laughs> oh my god they put they, put, they have really cameras? cute like branded stickers so it says in their like <clears throat> logo samus and day bungalows they make especially for your phone cameras that are sized the exact wow. size to like fit right on your iphone how much is something like that i think they their membership is pretty expensive wow. i feel like it's like four to five grand a year That's- i just don't understand like i mean right. i do understand co-working spaces but i'm like yeah. i love silence and i love no one else around yeah i'm working i just signed up for the wing Mm -hmm. because 
I can't like I used to always work in my apartment, which I loved because my older daughter is in preschool, so she's in school day and I can work. Yeah, but my my one year old is one, and so she's just so loud. <laughs> and you can't put her in a crate. No, so. <laughs> you can't put her in a crate upstairs. So I was like, okay, I need to get a workspace, and I just started working out of the wing like this month, which. For the readers who don't know, the wing is a women's only workspace um, or a female forward workspace or whatever. Because I Mm -hmm. do see guys there. Like people will have guests that are guys. Yeah, I felt betrayed when I saw a man there because I I went as someone's guest. And then I was like... Yeah, I was surprised. Um, I I guess you can't have like legally you can't be like... No, I mean, no, no. why? Like, how many fucking men's I love only that now clubs? We're getting, like, yeah, legal about it when yeah. men's only clubs have existed for centuries. Yeah. I know. Um, I did have one male guest. Um, he is gay, and he was very femme presenting that day because we talked about it and so he wore his coral jacket as you know just to like a nod yes to the community yes i honor you and so it's like in that situation it's like okay yeah (laughs) but when i just see like a bro walking which is very rare but i saw one last week like uh walking through and like getting coffee when i was getting coffee and i was just like yeah yeah <laughs> sit down yeah where what do you who do you think you, you are yeah what are you doing here mm-hmm. drinking my free coffee yeah i found <laughs> i like the wing i found it to be really distracting like i didn't right. i wrote like three lines of dialogue for right. the project i was working on yeah. and then i just like stared at every yeah. woman's outfit and oh yeah it's a great for fashion watching yeah because it's yeah. all it is Everyone's like so a pretty stylish. diverse very diverse um mm-hmm membership base which is yeah. exciting yeah because you can see like all different styles and outfits yeah. no it's great for that um i have found one of my friends got rejected so i know that they like they, they're intent they would they, not let me go and <laughs> i went one day because i was in the area with like my friend Tierney, friend of the pod, and we were like, let's go to the wing and see if we can like just buy like a day pass or like get a tour. And they were like, no, on both counts. They were like, you can look over and see whatever you can see from this vantage point. But like, you have to apply and get accepted to get a tour. And I was like, okay, well, then I'm never fucking applying. Wow. Yeah, it's affordable. Yeah. So it's only 219 a month Mm -hmm. um, for unlimited use. And they're open on the weekends. Um, So so it's affordable for the working woman. In the West Hollywood location, they have a little wing, which is childcare. Oh, yeah. Um, It wouldn't work for most kids, I don't think. Like, my kids, anyways you can't just like drop them off with a stranger and they'll be okay with that. Mm -hmm. So um, it's not really an option for me. I know I can't just like bring my baby and drop her off with someone she's never met while I go have a meeting. So childcare doesn't really work that way, even though I really, really appreciate that they're doing that and that they're so, um, you know, cognizant of like a working mom. They have like a pump area in the bathroom that's really nice and like a baby bouncer that you can put your baby in while you're like, you know, washing your hands or going to the bathroom or whatever and they have high chairs. And I really appreciate that because I feel like so much of like women's culture, like, you know, like pro-woman like culture or whatever often, and it's changing, but often forgets about like 
the moms Mm -hmm. (laughs) and how much different our experiences and how much different our needs are. So I really appreciate it. But yeah, I can't draw my kids off there. Yeah. (laughs) They would scream. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Imagine going to like a chic brunch at the wing and everyone's so cute and you just hear like (laughs) you hear a a Poulton offspring screaming their head off. Yeah. Lizetta would lose her shit. (laughs) (laughs) I love that you went from like wild child to married and not just like married. Like you have a marriage that I very much I'm like, this is goals to me because it's like not to be that bitch, but it's like a partnership. It is. Yeah. And you guys have been together for 10 plus years. Uh Uh, If I talk about how much I love Julius, I will cry. And you both are like... (laughs) bring equal hotness to the table so it's just like a hot couple (laughs) with like two gorgeous babies that are genuinely love each other and like are ride or die like help each other yes which i don't i do not like i can't off the top of my head think of another couple that is that same way um that i know personally yeah i know we're really lucky i met julius when i was 20 um so He was 21. Uh, We met each other. We have very similar lives. Um, And uh, we met each other at the sort of right time in our lives. He was also trying to like be a, you know, normal person. And uh, he was also enrolled in like community college and and was really trying to move past his like hard partying um, friends and his uh, unstable home life and was trying, he was, when I met him was a paramedic firefighter and he was working to get his, uh, degree. Um, sexy. Yeah. So hot. Or he was an EMT firefighter and he was working to get a credential so he could become a paramedic firefighter. And so he had, he was already on like a responsible, like renewed path. Mm -hmm. And as was I, I was completely straight and had straight A's and I was like, um, on my debate team and like student body president and was just like trying to transfer to a university. And so we met at the same time where we were both trying to build and both trying to like get away from our past and create a life outside our families. Cause And our families are in different places now than they were when we were 20, but we couldn't rely on them. We didn't have parents that could help us. They were all busy trying to survive Mm -hmm. and to take care of themselves. And his mom was successful at the time, but she was coming out of a horrific divorce. And, you know, it was just, we were left to our own devices and we were trying to do the best we could. And that's when we met. And so we just continued building together. And he had been set to move back to Hawaii. He had been living in Hawaii. Um, but when he met me, of course, he couldn't go back to Hawaii because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so great. Um, and so better than Hawaii. Better you heard than, it here first. I'm better than Hawaii. Um, <laughs> Um, definitely not more soothing, but maybe more rewarding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and then I got into Berkeley, and so he applied to San Francisco State so he could go with me. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we moved up to Northern California, and we got an apartment together, and all we did was hang out with each other and study. And, um, and then we both graduated, and um, we actually got married when I 
we were still going to school. So we got married when I was 22. Um, and yeah, and we just have kept building together and growing our lives together. And we've just been really fortunate that um, we've never grown apart. Um, he can never leave me. He knows that now. <laughs> I've like, locked it down yeah, at this point. Yeah, no, when we got married, I was like 22, almost 23. And I was just like, he's my best friend. Um, how can I say no? Uh, <laughs> but if it doesn't work out, I'll just get divorced. No big deal. No yeah. harm, no foul. Because everyone in my life was divorced. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a successful marriage. So to me, it and was... And that feels like a normal thing. Like at this day and age, normal. it's like, don't marry anyone that you wouldn't get divorced from. <laughs> like... And I was just like, it's not permanent. It's not forever. Yeah. Like if it doesn't work out, I'll get divorced. Mm-hmm. And so so I like got married. Um, but now falling into like deeper love and really building a life and sharing life and experiencing something together that, you know, is so much more profound than my dumb 22 year old head could have ever like conjured up. Um, we're never getting divorced. Yeah. <laughs> he's never leaving me. You guys like, are sealed. The only way he's leaving me is like, <laughs> I mean, truly, like it will take like bleach and some garbage bags. Yeah. Like it's going to be dark. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're in control of when he's leaving. Yeah. No, it's forever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love that. Let's do reader mail. Oh, I love reader mail. Okay. Conservative vacation hell. Hi, Lara and lovely guest. First of all, thank you so much for all the amazing content you've brought into the universe. I love all your pods and they become a religious part of my weekly routine. Now to the babe part of this email. My absentee dad and I have recently began to rekindle our relationship and talk about some of the very much ignored issues of the past. This has been painful, but also cathartic. My dad told me he was going to Georgia to visit his side of the family next month. A whole lot of babes. And he suggested that my sister and I come, considering we haven't seen any of them since we were little. I'm 23 now. I remember some negative things about this side of the family from when I was younger, and I've heard some wild stories from my mom, including alcohol, abuse, arrests, drug problems, and some other things too dark to mention. All these problems have also afflicted my dad and are part of why he wasn't around physically or emotionally for a long time. The idea of spending almost a week with these unhinged people is very daunting to me, but I also don't want to regret never seeing them as some of them are growing older. I added a handful of them on Facebook a couple years back and not too much of a surprise. They're wildly conservative and love Trump. They're also very religious and love to ask you when you've last gone to church. I really want to go on this trip with my dad because I think it would be good for our relationship, but I don't want to compromise my own mental health. We luckily aren't staying with them and will only see them during the day. The problem is I don't know how to compartmentalize things that bother me. How should I approach answering questions about politics or religion if they come up? Is it okay to walk away from my own sanity? How do I keep those around me from stealing my energy? Thank you so much for all you do. Love and light. This is a good question. Oof. That one good hits for so you close too. To, I mean, I mean, both of us. When you go home, yeah. Um. Ooh. Hmm. So I recently uh, reconciled with my own dad. Mm-hmm. Um. Was he visiting you guys recently? Yes. Oh, yes. love that. Um. And so I really understand how loaded that walk back to each other can be. Um, you know, and I don't know what happened between your reader and their father. Um, so it could be different than my own, but I, 
I love my dad, you know, even though um, we hadn't been in each other's lives for a long time for, you know, a lot of reasons. Um, Were you guys like not speaking mm -hmm, for a long time? Oh, wow. Um, We've gone through it before where we went like, you know, I don't know, four or five years without speaking and then we reconciled and it went bad again. And this last, this last time, um, it was, uh, let's see, my daughter's four. So three and a half, three and a half, four years before we spoke. Mm -hmm. Um, and we reconciled because my, of my uncle's death. So it's, it's a shame that, you know, it took something so sad and terrible to bring us back together. Um, but you know, I guess the silver lining, um, is that sometimes you can rise above, you know, I guess pride and bitterness, Mm -hmm. you know, when you go through something, um, painful, but it's really complicated. It's really complicated getting to know somebody again. And especially if, especially when you know like the minefields that are around the emotional minefields and and what pulled you apart to begin with um and all the reasons her dad wasn't in her i always assume it's a woman um the i don't know it is yeah okay the reasons her dad wasn't in her life so it's like navigating that but then also seeing them through like adult eyes and having empathy for you know how hard life can be and see them for the person they are you know, now in front of you. And so it's always, even in the best circumstances, you're negotiating the past and the present and it's, it takes a lot of energy Mm -hmm. and at least it does for me. And any unexpected thing can be like a trigger or, or can allude to, you know, a, a past fight or a past incident. And so, and you have to consciously reorient yourself all the time and be like, nope, I'm not going to walk down there. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep talking about, you know, whatever bullshit your dad just said. You know, it's like he doesn't know he just triggered you and reminded you of something terrible, you know, and you're, and so you're always like making a choice to stay in the present and not walk back. Um, but when you, compound that by stepping into an entire family um, that sort of represents all of those um, challenges or triggers or, or, you know, whatever, how, whatever words you want to use the hard shit. Um, I don't know, man. I think that if you're that, um, if you're that scared and that hesitant, um, I would really consider like why you're, going on this trip and and if it's for your dad does he really need you to be there does he really need you to be a part of his family and to see you with them on the day-to-day like maybe he doesn't you know um because I think that getting to know your dad again is such a doozy to bring in like for example my father and I have only been talking since um my uncle's funeral so last October Mm -hmm. would never go and see all of his like siblings and go on a trip right now. I'm yeah. not ready for that yeah. because what's important to me right now is my relationship with my dad. Mm-hmm. Cause I do love him and I do want him in my life. So like, I'm not going to explode what I'm already treading carefully on. Yeah. <laughs> 
that being said, I don't know um, her relationship, but I think it's totally okay not to go. But if it's something you feel like you actually want to do for the reasons you mentioned, because they're getting older, then you need to um, you need to go into it knowing they're going to say things that you don't agree with that bother you and that there's no way you can change them. And I would just take myself out of those scenarios. If they started talking about Trump or whatever, I would put my earbuds in and listen to a podcast babe um, <laughs> yeah, and take a walk an and take a walk you know because um for all the reasons you want to go or all the reasons it's pointless to um sit there and try to change their minds or reorient their politics it just sucks energy from you and will just create conflict so if you're going because you want to see them before they die or you're going because it's important to your dad for you to know his family then you can't engage with, um, uh, you know, your differences, your different worldviews. Yeah. It's pointless. Yeah. It can be so enticing to fight. Like yeah. I'm very easily baited or in the past, I think I'm not as much anymore because I've really had to like come to terms with being like, go through a fight with like my mom right. or an argument or with my brother. And it's like, Nothing good ever comes of it. Mm-hmm. It's not like I win no. them over to my side and Never. they see my point of view. It's just like frustrating. And then I feel like shame and guilt for being like a bad daughter yeah. or sister. And then all the things that are hard for you being in your family, like any shame and guilt that you had to deal with growing up or whatever, it's all brought up in those moments too. You're like, oh, I feel so dismissed. I feel mm-hmm. so whatever, whatever your hangups are with that family, like with my own family, it's like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be shut down. I don't want to be dismissed. I don't want to be invisible because those are the things I was growing up. So it's like, I'm not going to put myself in a situation to like, (laughs) to be triggered in that way. Yeah. It's just all so pointless. And instead try, I think in those moments to see the good in people and, and the reason you chose to go. And I think despite um, I mean, my dad, I don't think is a Trump supporter, but Trump was brought up when he came to visit us uh, last month. Um, and he definitely has different views than I do. Um, but in those moments, like I try to like look at my dad for who he is and like the culture that he lives in. And, and I'm like, I know that he's not, you know, a bad guy. I know that he's not even a, a small minded guy. And I am not going to like hold him to my standards because he doesn't have, I guess, the world experience that I have. And I appreciate his what he has to offer. Like he came to my house to build a play space for my kids mm-hmm. like and my dad can do that. My dad can build a fence and build a playhouse and all those things. And it's because of the culture he brought up, he was brought up in. And so I can appreciate the good things that he brings to the table and not judge him for the things that are hard to swallow. Yeah. I guess just like, I don't know. It's sometimes mental gymnastics, but if you're choosing to go, go with the intention of not engaging with stuff that's futile and destructive for you. Yeah well put and just don't take the bait yeah don't don't you just like literally and it feels good in that moment when you are cognizant of like that you're 
because I have family members that will try and initiate like fights or arguments with me and like try and just push me. And they're just like, and it's like provoking you. Oh, completely provoked. Uh. Like my, one of my brothers and I like really have a hard time getting along and he will argue about, it's like he'll argue for the sake of arguing or tell me that I'm like lying about something I'm not lying about or like argue about like just a fact or like something just like gaslighting you all the time. Yeah. And just like kind of like pushing or waiting, like trying to get me to like say something bitchy so that then it can like escalate and take it to the next level. And I noticed this happening the last time that we were all together, which was like over Thanksgiving, like my entire family. It was at your meter. Yeah, it's okay. Um, my entire family was together and I was really nervous because I know that he's just like, he and I can fight and he can get really volatile. And in that moment I was like, I just decided like I wasn't going to argue with him. And I was like, okay, like, yeah, totally. You're right. And like dropped it. And then it was just like over after that. You're not giving him what he wants. Yeah. So you win anyways. Yeah. It's like, or not unlike like training a dog <laughs> or a puppy <laughs> where you're just like, just drop it and yeah. then they'll move on to something yeah, else. No, yeah, no, I mean, distract them. Kids are like that it. too. Don't yeah. put energy on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hi, Laura. I just listened to this week's bonus episode and your conversation about naked families had me lolling at my desk. I didn't grow up in a naked family per se, but I did grow up in a family that was very open about nudity and sexuality. I was super embarrassed about nudity and sex as a child slash teen, even though I was so curious about it in private. My dad called me prudence, as in I was so prude, and tried everything he could to make me more open to it. Whenever we would watch a movie with nudity... (laughs) Whenever we would watch a movie with nudity or sex scenes, he would try and get me to watch and talk about it with him. I realize he sounds like a total babe in this description, but it was chill. Eventually, I got more and more open to it, and now I have no issues with being naked or having sex or anything like that. My husband came from a very religious household that did not have this attitude, and he still has hangups about it. He will not be naked for one second longer than he has to be and immediately gets dressed again after sex. So basically, I'm saying that your kids can benefit from being raised in a semi-naked family. Thanks for all the laws your podcast empire makes life better. Love and light. <laughs> I love this email because it's actually a conversation in our home right now because our older daughter is four and a half now. And I'm like, oh, okay, like when do we stop being naked in mm-hmm. front of her? And I don't know the answer because it really depends which like parenting hole you fall in online yeah. and what's healthy, what's not healthy. There's, I feel but, like, <laughs> is it, so everyone has a different opinion. Yeah, everyone has a different opinion and I don't know. And I'm like, okay, like when especially with my husband because he's a guy and yeah. they're girls like w- like <laughs> what's okay what's not okay in terms of like his nudity mm-hmm. and and then eventually my nudity or maybe not like I don't know I grew up like super like I never saw naked bodies yeah and I think that definitely affected me um and now I'm on the other side of it and thanks Kate it, it much in to do with um case spas um i really think that that will get rid of your like body self-consciousness just 
Yeah. Like, go to some case spas and just mm-hmm. like walk around naked. Get into a room yeah. with tons, tons of, of other naked, naked women, women with all different body types. It, it takes all the fear away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't like, I didn't grow up in a naked household no. at all. Like, I mean, I think I, I said this on the bonus app, but like, I think I saw my bo- mom's boobs once and like my dad's dick once when yeah. I was little. I but, accidentally like, walked in my dad getting dressed once when I was like in middle school and it was like, there was his penis and I still remember feeling so uh, like ashamed that and I felt ashamed because like I walked in on him and I was like, I'm so sorry. And I was mortified. Yeah. Like <laughs> I walked in on him like showering or something yeah. by accident and it's just like, Ugh! and then you're yeah. like, mm. mm-hmm. but like, and even my mom always treated any sort of nudity like she equated it with pornography, like even yeah. if it's not pornography. So I think that gave me like a complex about it yeah. for a while. Yeah. But now I'm a little more comfortable with like nudity. I'm so comfortable now. Yeah. And it is because one of my friends, I don't know if you know Annalisa, um, she made me go to a case spot and I was like, what do you mean? It's like walk around naked in front of everyone. And she's like, yeah, it's a spa. But that was so foreign to me that it felt it felt like insane, like mm-hmm. an insane thing to do. Yeah. Um, and now I go all the time and I feel so comfortable. And then once you have kids, you like disassociate from your body, like because your boobs aren't your breasts anymore. They're yeah. just like milk You're bags. just like a feeding machine. Yeah. And so that <laughs> helps too. But by and large, I don't feel embarrassed or self-conscious when I'm naked in front of people now at all. Yeah. I n- think I need to go have like another immersive yeah. like k-spa experience well, i have some burke williams spa passes i'd be so happy to bring you to burke williams love i'm <laughs> if you want in. chic naked yeah because like which well, doesn't really i'm like chic naked or just like random naked doesn't <laughs> yeah. really matter but i think after like being alone for so long and like living and working out of my apartment it's really easy for me to just like the only naked bodies are bodies that i would see online right and so that's like unhealthy long term no because i'm in a place of like very like getting nitpicky about body things Mm -hmm. and also passing 35 it's like i feel like aging is fully like happening oh yeah faster than ever for sure and then i'm just like it's all falling apart like yeah. blah 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 so i need like just like irl nudity yeah to no really, like, contextualize I, my journey i get naked at the spot uh, probably twice a month mm-hmm. um come i yeah. love it it makes me so happy not just <laughs> being naked but the whole spa process of like soaking and like talking with your girlfriend or girlfriends whoever comes for you know a couple hours and like going to the sauna and the steam room and just like it's so nice because like you don't feel self-conscious at all yeah all you're just there you're having like relaxing Mm self-care with a lot of different people yeah i love it and you see depending on which spa you go to um olympic spa on olympic you see more like diverse women there, which is cool because you see a lot of different body types, a lot of different, you know, like tattoos and, you know, bush styles, which I, I know we're not supposed to like look, but I'm always interested in the latest. <laughs> yeah. What's going on with bush styles right <laughs> I now? I know. I think right now we're like to like a seventies bush. I think that that's chic. Mm-hmm. I saw, um, this, this model that I follow, but she's like, 
kind of an influence. She's also a photographer. She's like an arty model okay. that I follow on Instagram. And I saw her at the spa a couple months ago. And That's thrilling. Yeah. And she's like full bush. And I, I was just like, oh, well, because she's super cool Mm -hmm. um i was like okay like it's full bush time yeah um i can't go totally full bush i have to like clean up the sides but i love i think it's it's hot like i've and also i like that on a a guy too like i always tell julius i hate club dick club dick is like shaved like i hate it it's like so gross no shave so i'm just groom groom like clean it Thoughtfully up groomed. clean it up but i i like body hair yeah yeah um and i think that it's it's on its way back mm-hmm. um according to sorry to all y'all yeah. who got all <laughs> Laser, your shit lasered you off know, that's a real conversation though because i went with one of my girlfriends who's very cool and mm-hmm. very like on trend and she's completely lasered off and she was like sometimes i regret it and i was like yeah I mean, <laughs> yeah, I never went like full because I got laser, but it starts to grow back after a while. Oh, but I never it? had gone full bare because yeah. I was just like, that doesn't speak to like my no. journey or something. Yeah, it's like prepubescent. Like, I don't know why that's like attractive. Like, I understand why yeah. you would want it. But yeah. I also am just like, for me, it f- would feel not right. Yeah. Um. And it. But I've always been a fan of like model bush, which is just like you have like a little like bush strip. on top. Not right. a strip, but like just a like natu- a little right. natural bush yes. where it looks like, oh my God, I have a bush, but it's so, it's so cute. Tiny. It's cute. It, that is not at yeah. all what the case was okay. pre-laser. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm glad that like a yeah. 70s comeback. But I did hear if you take Viviscal. What's that? It's like a hair growth supplement that's uh. like... I think one of the most like popular hair mm-hmm. growth supplements that it will make your bush grow back too. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so you can walk back from it. For yeah. <laughs> that's looking to grow a bush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what do parenting places no, I didn't say? didn't even ask her question. I mean, I didn't even answer her question. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's I don't know what people are supposed to do or not supposed to do I think either way we sort of um create complexes in our children that they have to work to undo Mm -hmm. you know like I think that if if we created like a naked house I mean we're naked right now because our kids are so young Mm -hmm. but if we like persisted in this lifestyle (laughs) and they're like into their teens put it away please stop getting naked Uh, all the time yeah they'll be having a conversation with their friends and their spouse about how much we fucked them up yeah you know and how you know but if we also like keep everything behind closed doors like and you know bought and they infer that like they should be ashamed of their nakedness then we fucked him up there too. I think that it's, I don't think there's any way you can win. I think it's just important to be, um, as neutral as possible. I think that her dad went a little hard, um, in, in the moments being like, okay, pause. Pause. Let's have a chat about that. Yeah. I think it's good not to, um, put a lot of energy on it one way or another. Mm -hmm. And, um, to allow space for conversation, but to not force the conversation. And I think that goes with almost 
like any taboo or anything because we have the same conversation about like alcohol and things because I grew up you know in absolutely no alcohol homes and there was there's such a taboo with alcohol in Mormon culture so a lot of like Mormon teens start binge drinking Mm -hmm. you know and I had a friend who was a Jehovah's Witness same thing but like friends of mine that like grew up in more European homes like their parents like were were you know French or whatever it's like when they were 14, they were allowed to have a small glass of wine with dinner and they, they always used responsibly yeah. because there wasn't energy on it. There wasn't a taboo. It wasn't forbidden. So I don't know. I think that can go with nudity too. Just mm-hmm. don't put too much energy on it. Now I have a email from someone who grew up in a naked family. A true naked family. A true naked family? Hi, queen. I'm from a naked family. My mom was a big nudie, 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 rudy for our whole childhood. (laughs) Not in a weird, creepy way. More in like a, it's just skin and everyone has nipples, so who cares way. My dad would sit on the toilet nude with the door open, which is exactly (laughs) as gross as it sounds. That sounds like a classic dad thing. (laughs) And if we needed something and he was in the shower, he would just walk in and we would just walk in and get it. And if we saw a wang, then we saw a wang and it was no big deal, but that was kind of it. He didn't necessarily ever walk around nude, but he would be shirtless regularly. My not, my mom would be nude pretty often. Like she was more like clothing as a social confine. And if I want to be topless in my house, then I will. And it won't be weird. Cause why should it? <laughs> she would sleep nude. And if we came in for a cuddle in the morning as kids, she'd welcome us into the bed and not be embarrassed or care that she was nude. And I guess neither did we. She would often sunbake totally nude on our veranda until people started complaining. So instead of putting uh, swimmers on, she just put sheets on the railing so no one could see in. She was fucking legendary. Anyways, I guess it rubbed off on me because now I'm the friend in the group who everyone has seen totally naked and I don't give a shit. I pee with the door open. I prefer to be topless, sleep naked, and naked under a robe is truly life. Agree with that. I go to nudist beaches to tan, mostly because I hate tan lines, but partly because it's very freeing and it's such a vibe and reminds me of my mom. I had a daughter almost two years ago and I baths with her like once a week and she sees me naked if I'm like getting changed or laying out in the backyard tanning topless and it's no biggie. My husband comes from a fully clothed at all times house and he still closes the door when he showers, even if it's just he and I in the house. (laughs) It's bizarre to me, but my behavior is probably weird to him. So big shrug, I guess. I continue to be who I am around my kid unless the time comes that she becomes embarrassed or uncomfortable. But if I, I honestly don't see that happening because I want to teach her that body is just body and she shouldn't be ashamed of it. Love and light and bare skin. Yeah, ditto. I like that reader's perspective and her parents seem to um, start that and that's awesome. Yeah. I love it. Um, Let's get into the bonus episode. We're going to call it quits here thank you so much for being my guest today it was so fun i was so scared i just wanted to live up to your you did your very high standards you did amazing okay, great cool um <laughs> tell all the readers where they can find you um right i am on instagram at underscore brit polton it's B-R-I-T-T-P-O-U-L-T-O-N. And that's it. I have a Twitter account, but I've never tweeted. <laughs> so that's it. You're going to have to find her on Instagram. And then if anyone is in L.A. 
on yeah. August 2nd. Yeah. I'm going to be moderating a Q&A after a screening of them that follow. Yes, it's at the Landmark on Pico. Um, and Lara's going to be amazing. And we're so grateful that she's br- being bringing her a big moderating energy i'm so excited <laughs> to like moderate <laughs> i really hope i don't shank the moderator thanks i think that they are some of the biggest babes uh, out moderators there. are the biggest babes yeah they're always like asking the dumbest questions yeah. so i'm like trying to come up with like great questions yeah. so come see the movie and then see if i make yeah. a good moderator yes. or not Landmark. and then maybe you can ask a question are you doing like oh, an open q and I think so yeah I that's think a great so. place to get the yeah. babes coming out of the mix yeah too. no I assume so uh so please do come even if you don't want to see my movie if you're just a fan of Lara because she will take the stage buy a ticket to the movie if you live in other cities go see it too mm-hmm. it's a real thrill ride yeah you saw a director's cut i saw a director's cut yeah and i really i knew kind of what it was about Mm -hmm. but i didn't really know and i went in i just went in with no expectations and then after the movie i was like whoa brit (laughs) and dan are (laughs) fucked up (laughs) and i love that about them (laughs) great (laughs) so if that doesn't make you want to see it i don't know it will and if you want to get into, um, if you want to get weekly bonus episodes, you can join Patreon for $5 a month, patreon.com slash babe podcast. Mm-hmm. You get weekly bonus content. So do it. we're going to do that now. And um, yeah, love and light. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Discover South Carolina.